Well, hello everyone online, on TV, however you're watching this, I've got folks with me. We're going to go, in fact, right to the point. In fact, I got to set the stage for this entire sermon. So I don't know if this is smart, but I'm going to tell you what the whole thing's about at the beginning. Please pay attention to the rest of it. But here's, here's the first part. Crucial conversation. Okay, just, so if you take notes, I just gave you a lead in that says, take a note. So that's just how this works. So crucial conversation here. This is the definition, by the way. A discussion between two or more people where the stakes are high, opinions vary, and some of you are nervous now. This is going to be good. And emotions run strong. Now, to help everyone sit at ease, I am not going to have a crucial conversation with you. <laughs> Some of you are like, is that how you set up all your sermons? Like, no. Uh, actually, I think, I think crucial conversations stir up a pressure in us that for many of us, it's got us consumed. So I want you thinking about that definition of crucial conversations, how you do with that, how you like them, how you hate them, how you, whatever you think about them. That's the stage for where I want to take you in the Bible. Now, let me take you into the Bible. We've been studying a guy by the name of Daniel. Uh, it's a, he's, his story is put into the Old Testament. Uh, but, but he's a guy who got uh, taken from his country, his homeland. Uh, he was taken and put into a, another form of government, new language, new everything. And he began to work for a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, here's what happens. Here's, the, here's this story this week. The, the king has a dream. I don't know if you remember your dreams. I, I remember about 5% of them. This dream was unique and got put into the Bible. So King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about a tree. A tree. It's about a tree. If you want to read about this dream about a tree, it's in, it's in Daniel chapter 4. And, and it'll tell you, you, you nerd out on, on all of it. So the king calls in all of his I just want to use the word weirdos, but he calls in these people who, who like do a bunch of weird stuff. It's all pretend like song and dance kind of stuff to like tell him what the dream meant. It bothered him so much. He remembered the dream so much. He's like, I got to know what this dream means. So he calls these people in. None of them can tell them about this tree dream. They're like, we don't get it, man. Like weirdness out, king. We don't, I have no idea what to tell you. So the king, almost last resort, talks to Daniel. And he goes to Daniel and says, Daniel, here's the dream. What's it mean? Now I'll take you in. Belteshazzar, that's Daniel, by the way. If you haven't read the book, you're like, thought we were talking Daniel. That's, that's the king's name for Daniel. Uh, that was the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means for none of the wise men of my kingdom. I would use that uh, cautiously, but anyways, none of the wise men of my king, kingdom can do so, but you can tell me because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Now, this is important. If you have ever felt like you're not quite sure how to talk about God, because no one's ever really talked to you about God, you see this in the king, how he's articulating, hey, you've got like this spirit that talks to you, this God, I, would he help with this dream? And and so the king is now saying, I got this dream. Daniel, you got like this God guy that tells you stuff. Um, 
tell me the dream. What's it mean? What's it mean? And if you've never read the dream and you don't know what happens, let me show you Daniel's response. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. So a lot happens in a short amount of time in the, in, in the Bible here. But basically, he's asked to tell the king the meaning of the tree dream. It sounds like I'm telling you about a movie. I'm not, okay? So this is real. Apparently, God tells Daniel very quickly what the dream means. And Daniel, all of a sudden, finds himself crazy alarmed. Because if you'll notice, it says, um, overcome for a time. That's a horrible English translation. I mean, it's, it's like very prim and proper. He was overcome for a time. If you get into the actual original words, and you're like, what did they use those words for? He was struck, shocked, like literally going, and for a time, they even, some say for a whole hour. He was astonished is another word. The king says, here's the dream. Apparently, God downloads the meaning. And Daniel is in front of the king, supposed to tell him. And it finds himself going, I don't want to tell you. Because here, I'll sum up the dream. The, the dream was God confronting the king. The tree dream was God talking to King Nebuchadnezzar through a story. And saying, I am confronting you. I'm not going to make you raise your hands or anyone volunteer say, who loves to confront people? Uh, most of us do not love this. Most of us find a, a, a building pressure about it that uh, begins to do stuff to us. And that's why I tried to get you to take a note at the very beginning of the sermon where I showed you the definition of crucial conversations because it's when two people are having a conversation and there's an intensity to it, so much so it can dominate your thoughts. You ever been there? I have. Where you're like, I, I need to talk to them about and you begin to get consumed by that? Some of you, I can sense the tension and the nervousness because we're, well, there's, there's, I'm gonna tell you reasons, but what plays out is you begin to witness Daniel internally, like losing it. Now, what's cool is he doesn't lose it on the outside, but internally, let's watch this because it's a blast. Uh, then the king said to him, because and by the way, the king's going to say, hey, let me help, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. The only reason the king is giving this, like, hey, hey, don't, don't be freaked out, is because Daniel appears to be freaked out. You don't just be like, hey. I mean, the king doesn't know what this is about. That's why he's asking for help. So he goes... He apparently, Daniel spending an hour or however long this played out, his astonishment, his like, oh my goodness, is like showing everywhere. And the king's like, hey man, don't worry about it. Huh, watch this. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in the dream, in this dream, would happen to your enemies, my Lord, and not to you. <laughs> I wish they would happen. To, to your enemies, which tells us evidence that this interpretation of this dream is going to be one of the most difficult conversations that Daniel has to have. What I just want you to see, just for a second, 
is that the Bible relates to you. That when you, when you read the Bible and you, you see like old stuff, it seems so ancient. And no, I think all of us probably right now can think of stuff that we're like, I need to say that. And I don't know if I want to say it. So uh, let's watch this play out because it's, oh, it's fun. Here's the meaning of it. Uh, so King, uh, you'll be driven from human society and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Yay! Uh, seven periods of time will pass while you live this way and until you learn uh, that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. Uh, but the stump and roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. Would you like to have that conversation with a king? Who, by the way, if you haven't been a part of this series, who has a tendency to have a bit of an anger issue, who likes to throw people in a furnace and just do some crazy stuff. Would you like to tell a king? See, many of us are like, I would have done it, but many times we won't say something to our spouse that we need to bring up or a friend that we need. In fact, here, I, I didn't do any scientific data. I just know this is true. 99% of us delay crucial conversations. If I had to guess right now, you've got one you're delaying. I would bet right now that you could think of like, you know it needs to be addressed. It may not be like catastrophic stuff, but it needs to be brought up, but you are delaying it for some reason, and it's got you kind of worked up anytime you revisit the need to bring it up. And Daniel's got a lesson for us. Uh, here's reasons why maybe this will resonate with some of us. Uh, we don't like rejection. I mean, I've never met a person who's like, you know, I just am in the mood to be rejected today. Right, And if you're going to have a crucial conversation with someone, if it's that kind of conversation, there's a tendency to feel like, if I say this to them, especially in today's society, they may reject me and it's all over if I actually say this. We don't like hurting someone. I actually think uh, that the majority of us do not enjoy saying something to someone and like really ripping them apart. I know sometimes we, we brag that we do and we pretend that we do and some of us even do this, but I think internally that we don't like hurting people. And so you have a crucial conversation. Oftentimes someone feels hurt and we just don't enjoy that. Uh, we don't want to start a, a bigger problem. Amen? Any, it, maybe your crucial conversation involves family. Come on. And you're like, you know what? We're kind of okay now. It's kind of semi-decent. I don't want to create another problem where I'm the bad child or the bad this or the rejected that or cut off that. And so sometimes we don't have the crucial conversation because we're afraid of well, what could play out. Actually, there's one to add. Um, we don't know how. And uh, many of us right now, please don't do this. Uh, you can witness this all over social media, in the news, uh, this, this inability to even have a crucial conversation with people. We're like, we struggle with it, don't we? Like, some of the pressure that you've got built into you is like, it wasn't modeled to you. Uh, you didn't grow up around this, or it was exampled in ways that were bad. And, and so here's what we're doing. Seth Godin says this. He's an author. Uh, Short-term pain has more impact on, on most people than, than long-term benefits do. 
I mean, this, we, we know this with a lot of different areas of, of life, but, but the short-term pain, many of us are saying, you know what, that is such a big deal right now that I'm just not going to bring it up. I'm not going to even address this. The short-term pain of it. So I thought I'd tell you some stories on me because you might be thinking about yourself, and I thought, well, let me help resolve some of the tension as we go through this. Uh, I struggled with crucial conversations, especially in high school and college. Uh, one, I'll give you an example of, it wasn't really modeled to me all that well. I grew up in a great family. My mom and dad, I love them very much. Uh, they are amazing parents. But all of us know that other people influence us other than just our parents. Well, I played sports too. Specifically, I, I played sports in, in, in Indiana. And this is important because I played basketball in Indiana. If you don't know anything about Indiana and you've never seen the movie Hoosiers, which might be dating me, but uh, in, in Indiana, if you don't play basketball, you don't belong. It's, they will try to just get you to move. That's how that works. Uh, if you drive, and test me on this, at least when I grew up in Indiana, you can drive through any neighborhood, any time, and there were basketball goals at everyone's driveway. That's just, we grew up, basketball was king. The problem with it was when I was doing all this, at the same time at the University of Indiana was a guy named Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight was their basketball coach and he was ruthless. In fact, if you'd like to Google this, just go to YouTube and you'll see there's a moment he's notorious for where he's mad. So he picks up one of the chairs and throws it across the basketball court to make a point. So I tell you that because many of the high school coaches thought he was worth mimicking. It was splendid. So regularly in basketball, just so that, because they thought this was good coaching, was they thought that the motivation you needed, like most of all, was to be literally be screamed at as loud. I, I don't think any of my basketball coaches had an inside voice. Do you guys know what inside voices are? I don't think they had those. They didn't even work. And I'll never forget one moment in particular, because if you ever messed up, if, if you ever like legitimately didn't do the right thing, the coach didn't come over and say, say hey man, David, uh, can, next time I, I need to go around that screen. Uh, no, it was a lot of words I'm not going to say right now. Um, in addition to my name and sometimes family members being brought up and eventually, hey, next time go around the screen. Uh, one time I, I, I messed up. I, I I threw the ball away accidentally, so I went to go get the ball. So I'm running after the ball. I jump after the ball, grab the ball, and throw it in. But as I'm falling, I, I step in a wrong way anyways. I end up tearing about everything I can tear in my ankle. What I remember is actually not the pain of that. What I remember is looking up at my coach, who is now screaming at this is practice, screaming at me, telling me how horrible I am to where just if you want to more middle picture, my middle school basketball coach, who knows where he came from, had to get in, in between us because I was being screamed at. I now can't walk. And I'm thinking, you know what? Um, I don't want to do this anymore. That's one example of a crucial conversation gone wrong, right? You might have your own examples. Well, here's my problem. All in that, I started dating. And my problem was that because I didn't like some of the models of how to talk to people and how it made me feel, I thought dating would be like, hey, let's just not bring up the difficult stuff. So I was going to graduate my senior year, and I was dating a girl, and, and it, was, it was very clear to, to me, at least, uh, we were not a, a going-to-get-married couple. I don't know if anyone resonates with this. I just kind of knew that at the time. Uh, and it was like, hey, you know... 
I, I need to break this off. Uh, but I knew that I would hurt her. I knew that it would break her heart. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. Because I don't want to be dating her. But if I stop it, she's going to be mad. Now, I know some of you who are really good at these crucial conversations are like, no, you just break up. Well, in my heart, I was like, well, what, what will she do if we break up? And no joke, one of her family members at one time said to me, and I still can remember this, like, yeah, David, I don't know what she would do if you guys ever broke up. So that like locked in. I was like, we'll never break up. I don't want to date her, but we're not going to break up. So eventually, so eventually I, uh, I decide I'm going to break up, and I don't know how it played out, but I, I, I got enough courage to, to break up, and you might, I'm so proud of you, David. Uh, actually, a couple months later, um, I saw her, and we started dating again, uh, and we dated for way too long. Um, the sad thing about this, honestly, the sad thing about this is it almost wrecked my relationship with Katie, my wife now. Because what I did is I took that, took all those experiences of crucial conversations, how to speak truth in a relationship, the right way and the wrong way and all that kind of stuff. I brought it into my relationship with Katie and basically frustrated her like crazy. And we spent basically our first year of marriage deprogramming me to where I had to learn like how to, sounds weird, say how I feel, talk about it without fear of how it's going to play out. So what I've learned as a recovering person, <laughs> okay, that's why I tell you all this, is, is recovering what I've learned. Uh, let, me, let me share with you what, what I've learned, and we're going to use this, this story of Daniel to walk us through this. Uh, here's, here's what I know. Here's the, about when it comes to truth, some are unwilling to confront, which I... Uh, some, some are unwilling to confront. Some are unloving when they confront. I think my two stories about my experiences actually mimic a lot of culture and probably even resonate with you going, oh, I know someone, or maybe you're one of them, and, and you know someone else. And, and we begin to know this and feel this. And I think if, if we don't wrestle with this, we're going to really destroy some of our relationships. One with God, of course, but with others. And we're going to find ourselves in, unable to have crucial conversations. So uh, Daniel teaches us something that is worth learning here. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Now let me stop. Because some of us are skeptics and we're like, wow. I mean, he was just relaying a message from God. It wasn't really his words. Like always, I mean, the king gave him permission to interpret the dream, right? Well, notice this. Daniel has stopped interpreting the dream as soon as he brings up, I've got advice for you, king. Feel the tension in that. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. I love it because if you didn't catch it, inside of that little part of what Daniel decides to do post-interpreting the dream, he gives you and I a gift and says, oh, do you struggle with crucial conversations? Do they build pressure up in your every part of you where it makes you just, and you hate it? Well, Daniel just gave us a gift on how. Just gave us a gift on how. Here, let me, let me show you. Crucial conversations. They require, there's, there's a couple of ingredients here. Uh, 
honest words. That we're going to stay with the unwilling and unloving, but honest words. This is, this is for the person unwilling, literally unwilling to share. And I was told one time that, that one of the greatest forms of kindness in a relationship is to let the truth stay visible is to make sure the truth is always known. It's one of the greatest forms of kindness, but, but if you struggle with this, honest words, if you're like, okay, I gotta have this, then make sure your words are honest and not, listen, not opinion. Not simply emotions you have felt, but the, 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 the honesty behind it, the, the tender heart. I wish I could plug this into the internet somehow, some sort of tender heart to where this unloving approach to truth, this unloving like, like, oh, I feel this. this, this stirs me up, but a tender heart. I wonder if you are willing to take both and say, I, I want to have both. This is, this is the ingredients. But by the way, I've purposefully, like fully, like intentionally neglected someone in this whole sermon. On purpose, don't worry about it. I've been talking about your difficulty, my difficulty to have a crucial conversation, right? What about the person on the other side? Have you ever been there? If not, you will be. Where the person's been stewing about a conversation they're going to have with you. They're afraid of your reaction and your response. They're concerned with what it's going to do to you and how you're going to feel. Did you know that? I don't mean to break your heart right now. And we need to bring up just a little bit, just a little bit of like, okay, how do I prepare for a crucial conversation that I don't lead? <laughs> Here. If you listen, I underlined some things for us. If you listen to constructive criticism, notice it says constructive, right? You don't need a sermon on that right now, but it doesn't say criticism. It says constructive criticism. There's plenty of criticism, but listen to constructive criticism. You will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen, there it is again. If you listen to correction, you grow in understanding Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. Such good wisdom here on if, if you're not ready to listen, you need to get ready to listen. So it's not just about how do I tell them what I've been wanting to tell them. Are you mature enough to listen? Are you mature enough really to actually take it in to maybe God has something to share with you? If you are, we can now combine all the groups in this, and I'll show you here's an approach. This is worth taking notes on. This is good wisdom straight from Daniel and scripture all over. This is great. Approach. What will I say? How will I say it? Why am I saying it? You should have this either written out or planned before you ever go into a crucial conversation. What will I say? Like, am I going to call them names? I probably shouldn't. If I'm being criticized... What will I say? How will I say it? Tone matters. Ask any married couple you ever meet. Tone matters. And then one of the biggest ones, why am I saying it? Why? Let me answer the why for you, okay? I think Daniel would tell us. I think Daniel would actually say, you want to know why you should have a crucial conversation? Why was Daniel willing to talk to a king and say what he said? Why was Daniel willing to give advice to a king? Here. The heart of confrontation should be restoration. Always. 
Always, always, always. In fact, uh, let me take you to Galatians because Galatians is, this is one of my favorite parts. This is talking about specifically for Christians, but dear brothers and sisters, if, if another believer is overcome by some sin, basically if someone screws up, you who are godly, I guess if you aren't, you won't do this, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, by the way, uh, you are only fooling yourself. And then some of our favorite parts of the whole Bible, you are not that important. Uh, if you were to study this more, you would learn this whole, uh, like, gently and humbly help that person get back into the right path. Uh, the original language talks more about how, how to mend their net, how to actually get them back to the person that God created them to be. If you want to know why you should have a crucial conversation, why you should listen, why your heart should be tender yet bringing truth there, is so that restoration actually occurs. If you ever find yourself as a boss having a difficult conversation with an employee, restoration should be the agenda. They don't have to stay employed there, but restoration, who that person can be, should be on the table. If you ever have this as a married couple, it should not be to split you guys up, it should be that restoration occur. Restoration should be the agenda, restoring, getting it back to the way it should be. So let me finish with this. Uh, you might be wondering, like, what's the weird urn? Is that an urn, David? Uh, no, no, actually, it's a pot. Um, Katie and I traveled to Colorado a while back, um, actually on a, on a marriage retreat, and we learned about this kind of pottery called a raku pottery. There's different versions of it. The Western one um, basically looks like this. You take a pot like this and you stick it into a kiln, a fire. Uh, you get it to this stage where, I know we talk about the words red hot often, but literally you get it red hot. You get it as hot as possible. You, you like, you, I mean, you, you get it burning hot. Then you immediately take it out as fast as you can. You, this, the next process, you, and then you throw it into, you don't throw it, you set it. You set it in trash is the best word to tell you. Literally trash. The best, the best ones come out, the better your trash is. If you want to know, like, I'll give you a full description, like manure, um, old newspapers, uh, just garbage upon garbage that you can get, and you, you stick this in there, and what, you, what you'll come out with is this, and you'll notice that this has just a lot of different colors, and this is what happens to it. This, what I would consider, this beautiful pot that has colors that can't be duplicated in any way, requires trash. That's why I got it. I love this kind of stuff. See, sometimes we think that trash is a waste. <laughs> uh, a lot of times we think, we think that trash, the bad things that happen, especially in relationships, mean that, that what happened has ruined it. I wonder if you've been there. Maybe, maybe you've experienced a ruined relationship. I wonder, I, I wonder this. If you and I got better at crucial conversations, better at listening, but also better about being tenderhearted and actually speaking the truth, what if we could produce more relationships like this? 
more people like this. If we didn't just say, well, it screwed up, so it's over. Doesn't that sound like a better world? <laughs> it sounds like, well, like what Jesus has called us to do. However, many of us are taking the season that we're in, and we're, we're, we're oh, oh, you're loving a part of the sermon here, the truth part. But many of us are just casting out truth at people with no intentions of turning anything into any healthy kind of relationship. I think this story about Daniel is for you and I going, okay, there's some stuff I got to bring up, but how do I bring it up? This is one of those sermons. It's not an inspirational. It's to equip you. So here's what I pray. That crucial conversation that we started off at the very beginning that you probably now have on your heart. You know that person. You know what you got to bring it up. You got Hopefully now you know exactly how to do it. Thanks to Daniel and God and the Holy Spirit saying, here's how to do this. Let me pray for us because we'll need it. Heavenly Father, Lord, I would, I, if there's stuff, Lord, that we're delaying that we shouldn't delay, Lord, would you prompt us even now in this moment to, uh, to get on what you want us to do? Lord, if there's stuff we need to address, Lord, would you just put it on our hearts and even prepare the heart of the person or the people that we need to talk to. Lord, if, we, if we've not been listening, Lord, would you soften our hearts and prepare us to hear information, to hear things that will be difficult but necessary. Lord, would you take, a, I think, a somewhat tense, difficult lesson here from Daniel, and would you do a work in our very hearts so that we can honor you with how we live our lives? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.